0: Amen. All right, take your Bible this morning and let's look in the book of Ephesians for just a couple of minutes. You can grab Ephesians in one hand and let's uh, grab Luke 24 in the other, Ephesians chapter one and then Luke 24. Just try and preach to you a little bit this morning, what God's put on my heart. Boy, we certainly serve a wonderful God, a wonderful Savior. And the only reason that we're saved is because Jesus Christ died for our sins. Amen. And uh, wonderful, wonderful to be saved. Wonderful to be saved. All right, let's take a look here in Ephesians 1 and look in verse 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints we're at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, every spiritual blessing that you've gotten in this life this morning, every bit of it comes from Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from how good I am or how good you are. It comes from the fact that we're in Christ, and that's a great blessing. That brings security. It brings security. Well, I wanted to read that introduction of the chapter but I want you to really go down to verse 15. The Bible says, Wherefore, Paul's still speaking, obviously right in the epistle, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding, Being enlightened, excuse me, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Let's pray. Lord, Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness to us today. And, Father, I pray that you'd help me, God, here for just a little while. God, to get across, Lord, what I believe you've directed me to preach this morning. I pray that you'd help me to preach with clarity. God, help me to preach, God, with understanding. And help these to hear, God, with understanding. Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, I hope you've read through the book of Ephesians. I recognize that maybe some folks sitting in here this morning, maybe you haven't or maybe you have read and you're just not too familiar with the passage. But Paul starts out the chapter and he says, God's bless you if you've been saved, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Not counting on baptism, not counting on good works, but what Jesus did for you at Calvary. That's salvation. And Paul says if you've been saved, you're in Christ and you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All right, you got that? Well, he goes down and he, what he begins to do in chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians is he begins to catalog all of the blessings that you have in Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> I celebrate Christmas And I I like Christmas, and, you know, I I know it's about the birth of Jesus, and I I understand all of that, but I really tend to like that part where you get under the Christmas tree and grab them presents, especially the ones with your name on it. When we get up on Christmas morning, uh, my wife usually, you know, she's very proper, I guess, and she waits for me to get down in there, and, you know, she lets me, or she, I think this past year she tried to get me to pass out all the presents to the kids, and I respectfully declined. You say, why? Because I'm not interested in their presence. (laughs) I'm interested in mine. And I I say that because I, I said, you know, here in Ephesians 1, what Paul's doing is he's cataloging. He's cataloging all of those all of those things that you've got when you when you got saved. And I remember as a little boy, my, my granny lives over in uh, Camden County, and I remember she used to have a J.C. Penney's catalog. This was before the days that, you know, technology got to be real rampant and everybody had a cell phone in their back pocket. There was computers then. I'm not all that uh, elderly, but there was computers then. We just didn't really have much access. So we used to, granny used to tell us, you go through that little catalog and you pick out, you know, a present, but it's got to be under $20, we, we had to pick the budget toys, and there wasn't too many of those toys in J.C. Penney's catalog, but we did our best. But, you know, I remember thinking, I remember thinking going through that catalog, man, it would be so nice if I could have everything that was in this catalog. Well, you know what you have? Listen, listen to me. In Ephesians chapter one, you know what you have? You got a catalog sitting right in front of you of everything that Christ did for you, everything that's made available to you when you got saved. And listen, you don't have to go through Ephesians chapter 1 and say, oh, I'd really like to have that one. Or maybe I'd really like to have that one. you got it all. Yeah, right. you got it all. But there's one of those things I'd really like to point out to you this morning. And Paul gets in verse 15. He says, wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That's a long way of saying Paul said, I'm praying for you. I'm calling your name out. Every time I pray, I'm calling your name out. And he said, here's what I'm praying, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, that's not where the sentence stops, but let me just stop and say this. What Paul's praying for these people down at Ephesus, it's a church. It's, it's people that are saved down there at Ephesus. He'd gone through it and he's preached and he's come away. He spent some time there trying to get them established in the faith and in doctrine. And he's come away. And now he's writing them a letter and he's saying, I'm praying that God will open your eyes and help you to see what you really got when you got saved. You know what that implies? That implies that they didn't know. It implies that they didn't realize everything they got when they got saved. You heard a testimony this morning. Somebody stood up and said this morning, that man, we don't, we don't realize everything that we got when we got saved. And I believe that's very true. But you know, there's many things that God revealed into his word that you really need to realize that you got when you got saved. Let me just say this. Those things that you got saved, they're spiritual. You know that when God saved you, God did not guarantee you to be able to drive a Mercedes Benz. God didn't necessarily guarantee you prosperity. Some people get that when they, when they get saved. But that's usually as a result of God cleaning their life up and they begin to do the right thing. I've seen some folks uh, be into a lifestyle of drugs and drunkenness. And man, that kind of life is going to break you. It's going to absolutely destroy your life. And I have seen God save some people like that and God begin to clean their life up and then lo and behold, God give them a good job and they begin to apply themselves and work hard and God will promote them up the corporate ladder or God give them their own business. I've seen that kind of stuff take place. But that's not the emphasis of the blessings that you have in Christ Jesus. You know what the blessings are that you got? They're spiritual blessings. Uh, when we think of blessings, boy, we're, we're carnal people. I said we. We're carnal people. We live in bodies. And when we think of blessings, we think of nice clothes and money. Oh, that's my blessing. There's my blessings. But Paul said God bless you with all spiritual blessings. Amen. The Spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You say, it's real hard. It's real hard to get excited about spiritual blessings. But boy, when your mind's been focused on carnal things all week got to get to work on time, got to make sure I do my job, got to make sure I do this, and got to make sure the clothes are washed and make sure the dishes are washed and make sure the family's fed and make sure I'm doing this. And hard. It's hard to get your mind on spiritual things, but you've got access to spiritual blessings. One of those blessings is what Paul terms right here in verse 19. He says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. You know what one of your blessings is that you got when you got saved? Power. I don't really feel like I got a whole lot of power. You got it. You got it. Listen, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, what you did is you stuck your little spiritual finger out and put it into that cross, and you got all the power of the one that was hanging right there at Calvary. You say, where do you get that from? Well, he goes on to say, now today is Easter. You thought I forgot about Easter, didn't you? No, I didn't forget about Easter. Today's Easter. And you know what we observe on Easter Sunday is the day that the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected. Right? Uh, You might go home today and have your little Easter egg hunt, but it's not about little bunnies that lay eggs. It's about Jesus. It's about what your whole life's about. It's supposed to be about if you're saved. And if you're not saved, it can become about Jesus Christ. But here he goes. Easter's about the observance of the day that the Lord Jesus Christ got up out of the grave. Now listen, you might be a strong man sitting in here. You might be a strong lady. You might be a strong lady. I think my wife's pretty strong. I joke with the church here. Oftentimes, I don't want to get in a scrap with my wife. I'm afraid she might beat me up. My wife, is, my wife is a pretty strong lady, but you know, you, you might be strong in here, but I'm telling you, you're not strong enough to overcome death. Amen. You know, boy, we get to a place in our life to where we get really hung on a false sense of security. Man, the, the money starts coming in, and the groceries start coming in, and the family is all going well, and boy, you're really getting into this false sense of security, and all it takes is one bad word from the doctor, and man, a lot of that just gets shattered. You don't realize how fragile life is until you're faced with something that's threatening. It, it, it puts you face to face with your mortality. You know, listen, the grave fact of it, nobody, I, I don't think anybody likes to talk about death. Of course, you know, just about everything that's on television these days is focused around death. Vampires and monsters and the walking dead. But you know, when you start talking to people about dying, boy, people really shun away. And that's the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be uh, some, uh, not a favorable subject. But you know, the fact of life is that, or the fact of death, I should say, is in Ecclesiastes, the Bible said, there's no discharge in that war. And you, as a man, have no power over the day of your death. But you know, there was somebody that professed that he did. You say, who was that? Jesus Christ. Listen, there's an argument of who put Jesus Christ to death. Was it the Jews because they delivered him to Pilate? Or was it Rome that put him to death? Neither. Jesus said, I, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down and I take it up again. Listen, that's proof enough that he wasn't a sinner. That's That's proof enough of the deity of Jesus Christ. And then to ratify that statement, He was crucified, and three days later, he gets up out of the grave. You say, what is that, power? You say, what is that? That's the power of the resurrection. Listen, do you realize that everything that you've got going on with you this morning as far as whatever health problems you've got going on or whatever financial problems you've got going on, whatever family problems you've got going on, it's all because of one thing. That is sin. One thing. It's just sin. You say, no, I'm just sick. It's because of sin. You say, no, I just spent too much money. It's because of sin. You say, no, it's because my wife doesn't understand me or my husband doesn't understand me. It's because of sin. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. You know where the terminus of sin is? You know where sin stops? It's when you're in the grave. That's, That's some pretty strong stuff right there. You know, we'd get out here and we'd throw up the windows and we look out here and there's a little cemetery over here and, uh, at Camp Pickney Baptist Church and you look over there and, boy, you can see how many people sin has conquered, how many people sin's got a hold of and taken them down to the grave. You know what? The odds of you escaping death is very, very slim. But there's somebody that did. You say, well, how did he do that? Power. Power. You know what, whatever's troubling you this morning, you know what you need to get over it? And I'm not talking about get over it. I'm talking about what you need to surmount that thing is some power. What you need to get past that thing that's got you held down, you need some power. Well, listen, what if you had the power of the resurrection? You reckon you could get past it? I bet you could. I guarantee you could. Well, listen, when you got saved, you got it. Look at what he says. Let me read it again. He says, he says that the God, this is verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened. God, I, he's on praying, God will open your eyes so that you can see, verse 19, what's the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You got it. You say, well, I don't feel like I got it. Well, that's because you're still in this body. And this body, it's, it's heading for a hole in the ground. But, but, you know, the Bible says before you die, the Bible says if a man believes on me, Jesus Christ said if a man believes on me, he'll never see death. Amen. Listen, if you trusted Christ as your personal Savior, that's an if. That's, a, that's, that's based on a decision that you have or have not made. If you trusted Christ as your personal Savior, the day that you get ready to die before this old carcass begins to let loose of whatever's on the inside, your soul and your spirit, the Bible said that there's going to be somebody there to greet you and convey you over to that heavenly city. Yeah. Yeah. You never see death. You say, where do you get something like that? Well, the Bible says when Lazarus died, he was greeted by the angels which carried him into Abraham's bosom. You never see death. You say, what's that all from? Power. Power. Listen, if you've got something living inside of you this morning that has the ability to, to overturn the fact that you were a sinner and on your way to hell, listen, I don't care what you've got going on this morning. You've got something living inside of you that can overcome any situation that you're in. And I'm not talking about God necessarily changing the circumstances. What I am talking about is God giving you some peace in your heart going through it. You know, God doesn't always, God, we think, we think, well, man, I've got power. You know, I'm preaching this morning. You've got power living inside of you. It's in the person of the Holy Spirit. God lives on the inside. We've got this power and people think, well, man, if I could just tap into that power and get my circumstances to change. But the truth is, is that God might not change your circumstances. But you know what God could do? God could give you some peace while you're going through the middle of that thing. You know, that's what this world's selling their soul to find. They're selling their soul to find peace. They're selling their soul to find joy. Listen, you go through the book of Acts. Listen, you go through the book of Acts and you watch how the apostles got into a situation to where they're going out and preaching on the streets and the Jews hate their guts because they're preaching about this man Jesus that they just crucified. And so they hold them down there to the chief priests and elders of Israel and they get there in the presence and they say, hey, you quit preaching about this Jesus. And they say, we ain't gonna do it. But that takes some guts. And so what they say is, well, we're going to make you do it. And so they whoop them. They pull out the uh, lashes or whips or sticks or whatever it might be, and they start beating them. And you know what them apostles did when they walked out of there? They didn't sit there and go. They walked out of there. The Bible said they walked out rejoicing. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name's sake, Jesus' name's sake. Listen, I'm telling you this morning, you can have that same kind of peace. You can have that same kind of joy. You can have that same kind of of consolation in the middle of your trouble. You can have it. You say, where's it going to come from? First of all, you've got to get saved. First of all, you've got to trust Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. And then after that, you're going to have to realize that, hey, man, it's already inside. It's already inside. You say, well, what, what do I lack? Well, turn over to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 has in it an illustration. It's, it's a true story. But it's one of the greatest illustrations of the principle that I'm trying to convey to you this morning. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus Christ has just come up from the dead. That's where we are, ain't we? Easter Sunday. Jesus come up from the dead. Well, verse 1, Luke 24, verse 1, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And you know the story. These folks got down there, and they got there at the tomb, and lo and behold, when they get there, when they left it three days earlier, when they left it, that stone was in front of that door. The body of Jesus Christ was on the inside. They come up early, early Sunday morning, that first Easter morning. They get there, and lo and behold, that stone's rolled away. And boy, it excites them ladies. I think it's funny that ladies went out there to do that. Man ain't going to get up early (laughs) unless he's got to go to work. But them ladies, there they go. They get out there and they get out there and lo and behold, man, that door's rolled away. You know what them ladies do? They drop everything and they run back and they tell the disciples. Well, you go a little bit later here in Luke chapter 24 and lo and behold, what you find is two of those disciples walking onto a road of a little town called Emmaus. And look at what it says. Behold, two of them went that same day. This is verse 13. Two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem by about three score furlongs. You say, how long is that? I don't know, but I wouldn't want to walk it. I don't know. But verse 14, they talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about the death of Jesus Christ. Listen, let me just abbreviate it because we'll come back to this. I'm going to read through it and I'm going to show you some things. I hope out of the scripture, God will be my helper. Listen, these folks get there and they're talking and all of a sudden, this man, this masked man, he's not wearing a mask, but somehow they don't know who he is. This man just joins himself with their company and he walks up next to him. The Bible says, these fellows are sad. And he joins up next to him and he says, hey, boys, what y'all talking about? I'm speaking in the English vernacular. I'm sure they're not speaking English, but hey boys, what's going on? And they said, what do you mean what's going on? You haven't heard? He said, heard what? It's Jesus, but they don't know who it is. Heard what? They said, well, well, this thing about Jesus three days ago, we Jesus was born, he came, and we thought that he was going to be the great deliverer of Israel. We thought that he was going to turn everything around for Israel. We thought that he was going to deliver us from Roman captivity. That's not all in the text, but you read and put some things together, that's exactly what they thought. They thought that this was going to be their king, their savior. And they said, we thought all this stuff, and three days ago, they put him to death. And now this morning, some ladies went down there to anoint his body, and he ain't there. And you know what he says? He says something real nice and kind and loving. He says, Oh fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have written. Didn't you know that he was supposed to, talking about himself, didn't you know that this man Jesus was, to, was supposed to suffer and be put to death and then raise again the third day? And the Bible said he went all the way back to Moses. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and he went through and he started expounding all the things through the law and through the prophets concerning himself. They got to a place, they got to a place and they were, they got to a place where the ways parted and they said, they said, uh, hey, we've kind of enjoyed the conversation quite a bit. Why don't you come home with us and eat? And he said, no. He said, no, I got I to go on this way. They said, no, no, no. Why don't you just come in and eat with us, sup with us, dine with us? And he said, okay, if you insist. And they get down in there and they sit down at their house and all of a sudden when he bows his head, when this man that they don't really know who it is, when he bows his head and he begins to bless the bread, they said, wait a second. We've seen him before. This is the same guy that fed the 5,000. They've seen him bless that bread before. And the Bible said as soon as they recognized who it was, he vanished out of their sight. You know what you got right there in that story there in Luke chapter 24? You got an illustration of two Christians that are walking along and they don't even know that God's with them, but he's right there the whole time. And the whole time they're talking to God. They're talking to Jesus Christ. They're fellowshipping with him, but they don't know who it is. You know how they're fellowshipping? They're fellowshipping with Jesus, talking about Jesus Yes, sir. You know why? Listen to me. Listen to me. Let me give you something real profound. You know why a lot of our fellowship is hindered between us and the Lord Jesus Christ? It's because we're talking about everything except the Lord. What about me, Lord? What about me? Well, you've got to wonder if sometimes the Lord steps back and says, well, what about me? Ain't I worth it? Lord, I got this going on in my life. And listen, I'm not trying. Whatever troubles you got going on in your life this morning, God knows my heart. I ain't trying to make light of those things. I guarantee you some of you got things going on in your life this morning. If I was going through it, I'd be crying my eyes out. But I'm telling you, when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, I I may not have, I may not have the right, or I may not be comfortable to look at you and look at your troubles and say it's not a big deal because I have no power over those things. But, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ can look at your stuff and say, he's not going to say it's not a big deal, but he can look at it and say, I can handle it. God can. God can. God can. The Lord Jesus Christ can look at those things. But, see, you're never going to realize that until you start talking to the Lord about him. Boy, we so I'm going to do my best to read this. I'm going to try not to keep you here all day. But I'm kind of enjoying this this morning, to be honest with you. See, we, we're so prone. We, we're negative people. You say, oh, no, not me. Oh, yes, you are. you negative. you negative. Uh, you hear all this stuff talking about, well, just be positive. Just be positive. Man, it's hard to be positive about everything. Uh, people are just wired up to be negative. You know why? We're sinners. We're in a sin-cursed world. I mean, it's hard to be positive when, when, you, when your engine throws a rod. It's hard to be positive when your transmission starts slipping. It's hard to be positive when your kids are acting in such a manner to where you would like to take holy hands and put it around their neck and squeeze very slowly. I know you're spiritual. You'd never get that place. But, you know, pray for the rest of us. <laughs> it, but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, it's hard when you've got all your mind on that stuff and that's what the stuff that you... It's hard to be positive about that stuff. But, you know... We, our minds get focused on, on those things that's going on. And listen, I'm not going to push you into a dream world and tell you that you should ignore that stuff. Hey Amen. Yeah. Some, some preachers act like, man, you can't, you can't pay attention to any of that stuff. Well, I recommend that you pay attention to it. You got diabetes? I don't recommend ignoring that. Yeah. I recommend doing what the doctor says. But you know what? If that's all you ever think about and that's all you ever dwell on, boy, you are going to be in a mess. You already, listen, you might already be in a mess as far as your body is concerned, but how much worse would it be to be a mess as far as your mind is concerned and as far as your spirit is concerned? Well, you say, how do I get in that kind of a situation? Just dwell on that stuff. Just dwell on that stuff. Just dwell on it. Or what you could do is you could get down on your knees and the Bible says in the book of Psalms, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He said in First Peter, he said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Well, how do I do that, brother Nathan? Casting all your care on him for he careth for you. You could get out on your knees this morning. You could get down on your knees this afternoon. Get down on your knees this, this evening. You could get down in a prayer closet somewhere. Get where your wife can't hear you, where your husband can't hear you, where your children can't hear you, where your mom and your daddy can't hear you, and just pour your heart out to God. Yeah. Yeah. Just pour your heart out to God. And when you start pouring your heart out to God, you're going to get all that stuff off your chest. And what might actually come out of your heart and mind is, Lord, I know I'm going through all this stuff, but God, you're still worthy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You might be falling apart, but God's not falling apart. Jesus Christ, the work that Jesus Christ—you know—the work that Jesus Christ did at Calvary—that wasn't made in China. Not gonna fall apart next year. Get all this stuff. Go to the Dollar Dollar Tree. Sorry. <laughs> go to the Dollar Tree and buy something for a dollar twenty-five cents. That's a rip-off, man. It's Dollar Tree, not Dollar Twenty-Five Cent Tree. But anyways, well, I'll write a letter and complain later. <laughs> but, yes, sir, you buy that thing, go home, it's going to break. Unless it's food, then it just be digested. But it's going to break within a week. But you know the work that Jesus Christ did at Calvary, it's not going to break next week. That thing's going to carry you throughout all eternity. And listen, if God can take care of that problem that you have, I don't care what you've got going on in your life this morning. I don't have to know. I don't have to know. But God can handle it. God can handle it. I don't know how he's going to handle it. But I know he can handle it. I know he can handle it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, look right here in verse 24. Let me just point out a couple of things, and then we'll let you go eat a nice Easter dinner. And if you come back tonight, I hope you come back. Bring me some of that ham that you got. Amen. But look here in Luke 24. He said, uh, Luke 24, look, verse 15, it said, And it came to pass while that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near. Who's he talking about? These two disciples. You know, these fellows are fellowshipping together. That's, what, that's partly what we're doing this morning. I'm preaching right now, but you know, before the service started and after the service ends, some of y'all going to hang around and you're going to fellowship with each other. Amen, that's what you're supposed to do when you come to church. Don't just run off. Don't just come just when church starts. Fellowship with each other. That's good to do. But you know, you don't have to be right about everything to fellowship. I mean, you don't have to have a cheery heart to fellowship with people. And you know, if you don't have a cheery heart, when you begin to fellowship with people, that depression and that discouragement begins to rub off on somebody else. I know this to be true, Brother Chris. I know many a times my wife has come out bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in the morning, and she's been very happy. And I've just been in a sour mood. And over the course of the day, before she goes to bed, she's in one of the worst moods I've ever seen in my life. I'm looking at this thing that resembles T-Rex and saying, where'd you get all this? (laughs) Answer, answer. She got it from you. I mean, not you, me. She got it from me. You say, how did that take place? Fellowship. Well, here's one fella, and he's walking along to the road to Emmaus, and he calls up his other fellow disciple on his cell phone, you know, back there when Jesus was around they had cell phones. But anyways, he calls him up and says, Hey, I got to go to Emmaus. I got to run some errands. You want to go with me? Sure. Gets on the road to Emmaus with him, and he starts talking, and... Just start fellowshipping and over the course of that fellowship, boy, one's discouraged and one's already, the other one's already discouraged. But the more they talk about Jesus being gone, the worse it gets. You know, if I'm discouraged and you're discouraged, it's going to be very hard for me and you to encourage each other out of that pit. But you say, well, what's going to have to happen? Somebody's going to have to draw near. Somebody else, somebody else that's above us is going to have to come on the scene. Somebody else that's beyond, that that his power goes beyond the ability that we have, he's going to have to come and intervene himself. And that's what he does. Now listen, let me say this to you this morning. You say, how do I get God to intervene in things? This is not real deep, but I think it's going to be so simple. Some of you are going to look at it and say, that's ridiculous. But pay attention to the text. You know what it says Let me read it so that you know what it says. He said, It came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near. Now listen, if me and Brother Chris is discouraged and we're depressed, me and him reasoning is not going to get us out of the hole of depression. It's not going to encourage us at all. You know, science and philosophy and education can't bring you no happiness. I know smart men. I know smart men. Very few of them. I usually dwell with people of my own liking. Yes, sir. But I know smart men. Listen, on a serious note, I know smart men that have committed suicide. I know smart men that don't have homes that are put together. I know smart men that right now, buddy, you try and go talk to them, and boy, it's just, it's a disaster. It won't be 15 minutes, and you'll be ready to blow your brains out. You say, why? Because science and philosophy and education can't bring peace. You can go to college. Listen, I've known, I know preachers right now. There's a, there's a Bible Institute down in Pensacola, Florida. I love the preacher that, that taught in that school, but I know preachers that young men, young preachers that have gone to that Bible school. And today, today they're nowhere to be found as far as Christianity is concerned, nowhere to be found as far as preachers are concerned. You say why? Because you can't sit in a Bible Institute and learn the facts that you need to give you answers. I'm not throwing off on that stuff. I'm not throwing off on education. I believe, I believe with all my heart, a lot of times, especially in this area, people throw off on higher learning, they throw off on trying to get an education. A man like Robert E. Lee was able to speak Latin. There ain't nothing wrong with that. There ain't nothing wrong with that education, but you know what it's not going to provide you? It's not going to provide you with answers that you need. Listen, when your family's falling apart right underneath your nose because you can't get along with your spouse or your kids hate your guts, being able to speak Latin ain't going to help them. Yes, sir. When you get a note from the doctor that says it's not looking too good, listen, being able to, to proxi- uh, properly exegete a passage from the Scripture, that ain't going to help. What's going to help is knowing the one who has the answers. What's going to help is having fellowship with the one that can speak peace to your soul. That's what's going to help. These fellows sitting here and they're reasoning together. And, but you know what? What I'm really trying to point out to you this morning is when they finally sat down and began to reason. Hey, let's talk about this stuff. Let's, let, let's have a conversation about that. And when they do that, somebody drew near. You know what's going on with a lot of Christians? What's going on with a lot of Christians is that they're in a situation and their back's up against the wall and they're responding with their emotions. talked about that a little this morning in Sunday school. They respond with their emotions. We're prone to be that way. I'm prone to be that way. My wife do or say something that makes me mad. I'm prone to... You are too. You ladies do the same thing with your husband. Don't put his clothes where they're supposed to go and don't clean up after himself and... Walk through the house this morning with sand on your shoes and got to get to church. I'm leaving anyway. Oh, that calls for a woman to reach up there and put her hands around her husband's neck and say, I love you in the next life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, in in the middle of all that, having a doctorate of theology hanging on you all is not going to help. Yes, sir, what's going to help us? But I tell you, what would help you respond emotionally when what you could do is sit down and say, God, I don't understand. I need some help. Begin to think about the thing. God, what's really going on? But listen, if all you ever do is just sit down and think, if all you ever think is just, if all you ever do is just reason, that's not going to provide any answers. But if you'll start to reason things out, what you might find is God will sneak up there next to you and say, what you thinking about? That's what you want. That's what you want. You want God to start talking to you. That's what he did. But their eyes were holding that they shouldn't know him. He came close. Jesus hanging out right there, right close to them. And they had no idea who he was. Listen, if you're sitting in here and saved this morning, I wouldn't doubt that there might be somebody sitting in here this morning. You feel like Jesus Christ is a thousand miles away. But listen, if you trusted what Jesus Christ did for you at an old rugged cross at Calvary, he's living right inside of you. He not very far. He said, in the book of Hebrews, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, well, I ain't been what I should be as a Christian. Well, you need to get that right. But he said, if we, he said, if we deny him, he'll not, he'll not deny us. Yeah. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, look right here. He said, their eyes were holding that they should not know him. He said, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another and walk as you walk and are sad? And this fellow Cleopas, he goes through there and he begins to tell him everything that was going on as if the Lord didn't know. He was the one that it was done to. He was the one. Listen, we've been on Wednesday nights, I say, not consistently on Wednesday nights, but here and there we've been going through 1 Corinthians. And I've been trying to work my way through 1 Corinthians. And we just come through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul speaks of saved people as members of the body of which Jesus Christ is the head. Listen, if something happens to your body, don't you think you know? I have never seen my daddy hit his thumb with a hammer and say, I wonder what's going on with him. It's usually something along the lines of, you know, if you're a member of the body of Jesus Christ, don't you think God knows what's going on with you? Then why did he draw up near to him? Why did he draw up near to him and say, hey, what's going on? What y'all so upset for? What you so sad for? What do you mean you don't know? No, he knows. He's just trying to get you to talk to him. See, that's how we get into the mess where we're at. Don't talk to him. He got you in a, got you in a place where he's just trying to get you to talk to him. Well, start talking to him. Well, he says, well, hey, It's about all this stuff about a man named Jesus. And Jesus said, you don't say. Tell me about it. I'd really like to hear about this man, Jesus. And they finally go through and they describe this whole process. And listen, here's why a lot of Christians get off board with Jesus Christ. Maybe the Lord don't talk to you this way, but I've had the Lord talk to me this way a time or two. He opens up with that statement, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You know what comes out after you poured your heart out? You know what's going to come out of the Lord's mouth? You've been real foolish, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. And what you do at that point is going to determine whether he's going to keep talking to you. Yeah. You bow up your chest like you used to bow up at your mama. Not my mama, because my mama would knock your block off. Yeah. I've seen her do it with my brother. You can tell defects because my brother's out of the house, and I am too. Oh, I guess that wasn't funny, but okay. <laughs> yes, sir. But you bow up towards the Lord like you used to bow up at your mama or you bow up at a preacher or bow up at your drill instructor. It's not a good idea. And I'm telling you, the Lord's not going to come out of heaven and punch you in the nose. God just say, okay, just let you go, leave you alone. Let me know when you get tired of going this way. God is a gentleman. Jesus Christ is a gentleman. You don't ever find Jesus Christ in the Gospels, twisting people's arm behind their back and saying, you better come follow me. Yeah. Right. You know what he said? Follow me. Oh! No, come on, follow me. And you've got to make up your mind what you're going to do because the Lord's a gentleman. He's not going to force you. Right. Amen. I'd love to preach on that for a while, but I've already kept you longer than what I want to keep you. But look here, he said, he said, O fools and slow of heart, verse 25, Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And ought not Christ have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. Beginning at Moses, all the and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know what God, you know what Jesus' answer for these fellows that was discouraged was? His answer to them was, It's me. I'm your answer. I'm what you need. I know a little church down in Deland, Florida, right now, when they get out, they hold signs out on the street corner. And one of the signs that they hold, they hold a lot of verses. They hold a lot of scripture signs. But one of the signs that they hold is Jesus is still the answer. That's what you're looking at right here. You say, what's the answer to my problems? I don't know how, but I know what the answer is. It's Jesus. Listen, I don't know. Listen, I don't know that God is going to change your situation or change your circumstances. I don't know that God's going to patch it all up and make it all better. He might. I've seen that happen right here in this church. I've seen people come down to, a, to the front of the church and we anoint them with oil and pray over them like the Bible says in James chapter 5. I've seen that kind of stuff take place. People with throat cancer get healed. I've seen that kind of stuff. But I'm not saying that that's going to happen in your situation because I don't know. But what I do know is that God can give you peace while you're going through the middle of it. I know that God can give you some answers. It's a lot easier to deal with trouble if you just know why. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Jesus is the answer. Well, the Lord revealed Himself, and they said, Did not our hearts, verse 32, did not our hearts burn within us while He talked with us by the way and while He opened to us the Scriptures? When Jesus started talking, you know how He talked? He talked with this right here. Oh, you people in that Bible. Yes, sir. Absolutely. 100%. I'm a fanatic. I'm a fanatic. You say, why? Because when the Lord talks to me, he talks to me through right here. He said, when the Holy Ghost has come, Jesus said he's going to bring to remembrance all things that I've said unto you. They're right here. You say, how's the Lord going to talk to me? Right here. Listen, I don't don't disbelieve in the small, still voice and the leadership of the Holy Ghost, but I know this, it's always going to be in accordance with God's book. And I know this, if you're not well doused in God's book, God's going to have a hard time talking to you. Because all you've got to lean on is what you can imagine in your own brain. Get something solid and concrete in there and God say, what about this? God, I need some answers. God, I'm in a situation to where I'm up against the wall. God, I need some answers. Well, remember this, what I said to you right here and remember this verse that you read? God will begin to speak to you. Listen, I'm telling you, some of you sitting in here this morning, you don't think God could talk to you that way. But I'm telling you, if God could talk to some of the likes of us that are Members of this church. I'm telling you, if God can talk to us, God can talk to you. But it's going to be through his book. It's going to be through his book. He's going to bring to remembrance all those things that he said unto you. And you know what he's going to say? I'm the answer. I'm the answer. You say, why you go through that story there in Luke 24? Because Paul said, listen, here's two fellas that's walking down the road to mass, and they got some problems. You say, What's the problem? Jesus is dead. And he don't even tell them, hey, I'm risen from the dead, you bunch of doofuses. He could have said that. If it was me, I'd have probably said that. You bunch of idiots. You know what he said? Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have written. You just didn't believe what I wrote to you. So he just had to explain it to them. What you don't realize is that if you sit down with God's open book and begin to read and begin to pray and begin to study and pour your heart into it like you pour your heart into CNN and Fox News. You do that. And what's going to happen is God's going to start showing you some things. He's going to begin to open your eyes and expound to you all things out of the scriptures concerning himself. That might be why some folks lose interest. Because it's not about them. It's going to be about Jesus. And you're going to, be, you're going to be, begin to see some things. And boy, you know what's going to come out of that? Answers. Boy, them fellas, you know what comes out of them answers? Joy peace. Them boys, when they recognized that it was Jesus, they didn't sit there and go, wow. They said, they took that bread that they had in their hand and they threw it on the table and they got up and they ran and they found the other disciples, the other ten and said, hey, he's alive! He's risen! Peter and John looked at him and said, y'all are crazy. No, no, really, he's alive! And then all of a sudden, you read a little bit later, and there he is. He showed up right in the middle of all of them. Yes, sir. God can do it. The answer, listen, the answer, you've got the answer. You've got the answer this morning. You say, what is it? The resurrection power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Nathan, I am not saved. You say, I'm not saved. Then you don't have the answer yet, but you can. This is not for an elect few. You say, how do I get saved, Brother Nathan? Well, you don't come down and put your name on a card. You've got to understand that you're a sinner, and that because you're a sinner, you are doomed and destined to die. Yes, sir. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But you know, there's a perfect man who took your sin upon his back. The Bible said in First Peter chapter 3, it was the just dying for the unjust. That's Jesus Christ dying in your place. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him say, Brother Nathan, I know I'm a sinner. Do you know that Jesus is not? Well, if he's not a sinner, then when he dies, he's able to pay for your sins. He's able to pay for your transgressions. You say, well, what's left? Well, you just got to believe. You've got to believe that what Christ did at Calvary is enough to pay for your sins. You've got to call on him. A lot of people I run into, they say, oh, I believe. But have you called on him? Have you asked him to save you? Having the availability of getting $100 is a lot. There ain't $100 in there. Don't get excited. But having the ability to have $100, you got the availability, it's a lot different than reaching out and taking it. You say, how do I take it? Ask him. And when you ask him, believe that he's going to give it to you. You say, it can't be that simple. If If it's not that simple, I'm on my way to hell. If it's not that simple, I'm doomed it's over for me. It's that simple. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to have a little invitation this morning. God spoke to your heart. Why don't you come this morning? You need somebody to take a Bible and pray with you or show you something from the scripture. Maybe you've got some questions. I'd be glad to explain things to you best I can. We'll have a little time of invitation this morning. Do business with God as he leads. God, we thank you for your goodness to us this morning. We thank you, God, for the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus and God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us, God, to appropriate those things to ourselves. God, help us to appropriate these truths, God, to our lives. God, Lord, we thank you for what you provided for us in salvation. God, pray that you bless every soul that came here this morning. God, I pray there's somebody here that's not saved. God, I pray you'd stir their heart. God, help them to see, Lord, that, God, Lord, they're sinners, but, Lord, at the same time, God, you died for their sins. God, Lord, you've already paid the way. All that's required, God, is to just accept it. Lord, I pray, God, help us, Lord, this morning. Bless these that have come this morning. Bless those that are at their seats. God, doing business with you. Help, Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Some have come this morning, as with Terry, do business with God as he leads. Amen.